0: chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um, my nephew needs
1: me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it
0: all right chase thomas podcast late on a wednesday where stats by will is here stats by will taking a break from just killing it in his tennessee basketball coverage with his know your enemy know your team know what's on the schedule Know what's coming Tennessee basketball's way. Know what Candace Parker thinks about Gino Ariema at UConn. All that and more on com. Will, good evening, sir. How are
1: you? Doing well. Uh, special shout out to Candace and no shout out to Gino. <laughs> there will never be a shout out to Gino from me. I don't
0: think any Tennessee fans uh, will be giving a shout out to Gino. I love that they're still petty, though. I, I like this. I like that the the rivalry's still there. That uh, Candace cited that still undefeated against Gino, and I make sure to remind people that they didn't want any titles when I was at Tennessee. Candace. this is why she got the biggest uh, the biggest chant of the the four the four athletes who returned um, last weekend for the Tennessee game, or I guess it was the Georgia game. They returned for that one. Um, it was Peyton mm-hmm. Helton uh candace and the softball player i never remember her name it was in the olympics oh, Monica. Yeah. yeah um yeah but candace got the biggest the the biggest cheer in that game like i was there she got the a whole candace chant yeah candace knows what she she's doing she's she's playing all the right notes <laughs> yeah um but we are not going to cover all of that and the the war of words between Candice and uh, Gino. No, we're going to talk about college basketball in this very podcast. Will, will the biggest upsets uh, this past week for you are what?
1: Or were Uh, what, rather? Very convenient we get to record this after number one loses. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of like the obvious one, Ohio State beating Duke. I wouldn't say that's like... I would not call that a huge upset, to be honest. Uh, Because I think via... Ken Palm, like Duke was like a three, four point favorite. It's I mean, you don't really get over the moon when a three point upset happens in most sports. But it's always cool to see number one lose. And it was really strange to see Duke seemingly completely lose their cool offensively down the stretch of that game. They scored one point in the final five minutes. And I think it is more surprising than the three point. Uh, spread or whatever would have indicated because you got to consider the direction both teams looked like they were headed in beforehand. Cause I mean, Ohio state did not look good for most of November. They had that Akron opener where they should have lost. Uh, They have multiple losses in November, including uh, to a Florida team that, you know, maybe Florida is looking better than expected, but that's still at that time, not like a, a loss you're thrilled over. And then, you know, Duke obviously beat Gonzaga last Black Friday and looked like a killing machine. They looked awesome. And, you know, you're starting to see uh, some people be like, okay, how far can Duke make it undefeated? And it turns out they made it three days. Um, So, I mean, narratives to swap that quickly is fairly unique for this early in the season. Uh, Just like I still believe that Duke is obviously a very good basketball team. I still believe in Ohio State. I think they're a top 20 team in the sport. Uh, they just, you know, some teams don't have it together when the season starts. And I, I don't know that that necessarily limits their ceiling, but I do think like, okay, maybe it's just going to take Ohio state a little bit longer to figure it out than I personally thought. I thought they would be, you know, one of the 10 to 15 best teams this year, but maybe they're top 20 and that's okay. Cause Chris Holton's doing a great job there. Uh, the other obvious one, Dayton over Kansas that had a fabulous ending I don't think it's really going to negatively affect Kansas. Um, It probably will end up going down as like a quadrant two loss, which pretty much every team ends up having one. So you can't sweat that one too much. Um, One that kind of has gone under the radar nationally, but is horrible for the team in question's tournament hopes. And is a team that we've discussed multiple times on here, uh, Washington State losing at home to and palm number 269 Eastern Washington. Mm. Uh, Washington State had actually looked fairly good in November heading into that game, uh, but they had their worst game at the worst possible time. And, you know, Eastern Washington made last year's NCAA tournament. You know, big thing, obviously. But they lost far and away their best player. They lost a lot of talent from that team. And pretty much everything suggested this would be a rebuilding year. And their results, aside from this Washington State game, don't really suggest otherwise. Um, I mean, they got blown off the court by Nevada, lost at a neutral site to Texas State, had to beat Cal State Northridge in overtime. That's a horrible loss for uh, Washington State. And I mean, when if they're able to track their way into the bubble come you know March, that's going to be a big black mark against them. That's going to be something the uh, selection committee looks at and says, you know, these other teams don't have that. Syracuse doesn't have that loss. So, I mean, that's a real bad one to take this early in the year.
0: Yeah, I uh I I think that's all those are all good points. Um, well, it sounds like this could lead nicely into our November surprises. I can't believe it's already December. This uh this year is already <laughs> flying by. But um your November surprises, I wanna I wanna start with the good. Let's start with the positivity. Thanksgiving was just right around the corner. And before you give me that, give me your favorite Thanksgiving moment from uh from thursday was there a food item that stood out to you what was your what was your thanksgiving like what was your favorite thing
1: uh it wasn't food item actually mm. so i brought my wolf we had our family thanksgiving in suburban atlanta this year wait like, what part of atlanta near, were you in like near Peachtree city way out oh there. you were by the so, the airport yeah so okay way way out. i didn't know you had down.
0: family in, but, in atlanta
1: yeah but so I brought our I brought my wiffle ball set down and okay. we had like 15, 20 people there. And by the end of, well, I guess by the end of the afternoon, pretty much everybody was participating and taking a swing at it uh-huh. and they were all having a blast and I did not anticipate that. So that was a pretty cool thing for everybody to join in and did it get have get fun. No, not really. I mean, I was, I've, I've got my set of wiffle ball pitches I'll toss to like my father-in-law or uh Cousins and whatnot, but like when you know, hold on, what do elderly... you mean? Do
0: you have like a you have like a whole like you have your splitter, you have your curve,
1: like you had do you
0: how yeah. how does this work?
1: So I mean you, <laughs> this this might require a lot of explanation. Okay, but, um, yeah, I mean I've, I haven't done it like professionally or whatever, but I can throw like a slider, curve, knuckleball, splitter, a drop ball, all uh-huh. with a whiffle ball. I mean, so you're watching the wiffleball championships
0: (laughs) pop up on Twitter or like I see on Twitter and YouTube like you're 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 locked in. Is that the is that the dream right there?
1: That would be. Yeah, if I if I could start up the uh, Knoxville Major League wiffleball. Oh, dude, I would play. Yeah, we'll have to get a team together for next summer because they have a small wiffleball league here, but it's not uh, that big yet. Okay. Okay.
0: Well, keep me in the loop on that, man. That uh, that seems yeah. fun. I'm I'm down for that. Um, well, that's good, man. Are you a Thanksgiving uh, meal person? Is there? Are you big on the food, or are you uh, take it or leave it?
1: Uh, yes, I am. But it's Thanksgiving is so. To, I am have two opinions here. Mm-hmm. One, I think this is one that I pretty much everybody uh, should mostly follow. Don't post your plate on Twitter. Okay. Uh, because it's very low upside if your plate is if your plate is good but not amazing you're just going to get like the three or four likes whatever and like one person's like hey looks good man Mm -hmm. if you've got something that looks questionable on there or it looks like you've got dry bird meat that thing has hit twelve thousand quote tweets in 30 minutes and you're done grandma who has slaved over that turkey for hours is just receiving days upon days of slander <laughs> from people she'll never meet there's no upside to that
0: that's a really good point man that's uh it's not <laughs> a bad like that's a that's a good point um yeah no yes.
1: i don't I, post I, your meals but well i my get a lot of thing is... at thanksgiving is always mac and cheese
0: also, just—I mean, you can't go wrong with mac and cheese, but I don't know. I think it's just there's no there's no upside in mostly just posting your meals in general. Like it, the best case is, like you said, lukewarm. The couple likes of like, oh, Chase is eating well tonight, or what is this? Like, there's no there's no like, oh, what an exquisite meal. Here's a bunch of quote tweets about like how awesome this is and how perfect it is. There's uh <laughs> there's a very low likelihood of it uh going viral after, or getting a lot of interaction and engagement from from that no i'm a big hawaiian role person so the hawaiian roles were in mm. there and uh that's all i need i need my hawaiian roles and i'm i'm good
1: yes that's a good
0: pick um well i also stopped at bucky's on the way in did you make a bucky's pit stop on the way to atlanta yes on
1: the way in and so did we I, just travel
0: I... like side by side and have no idea this past week.
1: We probably did. Did you go on uh Tuesday? Oh no, I went Thursday morning. Oh uh, okay. So we we came back Friday. But mm-hmm. yeah, we stopped at the Bucky's in Calhoun, I think.
0: Calhoun, Something. Georgia, man. I got the t-shirt.
1: See, I I didn't get the t-shirt, but I always get the uh the brisket sandwich while I'm there because it's like kind of oddly good mm-hmm. for especially It's for kind of oddly good. good. <laughs> So I don't know. I quite like Bucky's. I mean, it's just terror, Like beef jerky wall.
0: They have a beef jerky wall. They have everything. Like it's literally a madhouse. Can I? Can I? Okay. I am I'm gonna I'm going to reveal a secret to you and the listeners on this very podcast. Will yes. I was in a I was in a bind on the way back. I stopped. We stopped at Bucky's. It's basically our halfway point for us to get to Atlanta, so I usually felt gas, stop, stretch, that kind of thing. So Bucky's is just <laughs> a nice little middle ground between uh Atlanta and Knoxville. But I uh I went to get my 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 dark roast coffee. So when we were coming back though, um it was slammed on Saturday because we were trying to get back for the Vanderbilt game. And it was slammed, dude. Like slam slam. Mm-hmm. Like buggies is generally speaking pretty slam, but this was like another level. And I was like, I'm holding this coffee and I'm standing in line. And I was like, and I pulled up Waze on my phone. And I was like, ah, if I wait for this, we're looking at another 15. I don't know when we're going to be able to get into the game. So, I'm like doing the math on like how much time it takes for us to get home, drop the dog off, turn around, get to Neal and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't know. And then we're listening to uh, Ohio State, Michigan and George, Georgia Tech. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this so and I was like but I already committed to the, the large coffee and I, I, I was scrambling well I was scrambling <laughs> so I had to make it just a, a split decision because I was like I'm not doing this I'm not doing this today I cannot I want this coffee and I walked around but it was so busy I didn't want to just throw it away I didn't want to just go back to the, the other side of the store and uh, take it back to the coffee section. So, I was trying to find a place to just accidentally pretend that I left my coffee somewhere in the buckies without anyone noticing. So, I walked around and I just, I spent like 35 seconds trying to find the right place to like at pretend that I forgot, I set my coffee down and forgot it. And I just walked and walked and unfortunately high area in the kids section is where i found that i could just place it up there and then just be like oh where did my coffee go and uh got out of there because i was like i'm not waiting for just a coffee for 20 to 30 minutes for this i can't do it got other places to be so i hope that uh, some kid did not uh, get a large dark roast coffee and ruin his parents day on uh, on that <laughs> <take their step.
1: laughs> oh that's incredible Man, so, well, we got there like late on mm-hmm. Tuesday, so I didn't get the coffee game, but I did. I loaded up on, so they have, this is a very old person's buy, but they had apple cinnamon granola. <laughs> and it's probably a delicious. Honestly, top five snack I've had in a long time. I don't, I know. I think the listeners should know I have a strange diet where I really don't eat like potato chips or any of that. So I don't okay. get a lot of joy in my life. So <laughs> apple cinnamon and granola is going to rank like 500th for most people. But for me, top five. Do you have a very strict diet? Generally, yeah. I don't, I don't snack very often. I don't okay. go outside of meals
0: too much. Interesting. So you don't like you can you, you get the discipline to to pull that off.
1: Yeah, it's it's required a lot of mental training to do so. I used to be horrible about snacking all the time.
0: Yeah, snacking, it's uh, the sports renaissance woman is a snacker. I'm not really a snacker. The way I get around snacking is coffee. Like I just, whenever I turn, I'm just like, oh, take a sip of coffee. That's how I get around it. Um, that's really <laughs> my thing. Or I'll just do a piece of toast with like Nutella or peanut butter on it. But I, I'm not a big snacker, um, which naturally brings us back to the November surprises, Will. We took a side road. We took a side road. We uh, we we stopped in Calhoun, Georgia. We we're back on I seventy five. We no, we took a side road and we couldn't get back on the interstate for a while. <laughs> Which is also, uh, I mean, Cleveland, Georgia. That's a that's a possibility. Athens, Tennessee. There are side roads where you're like, I don't know when I'm going to get back on uh, uh, the highway, but I would hope that it happens sooner rather than later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. November surprises mm. that are good. Before I do this, I have to tell you I just looked on the ESPN app and uh-huh. Arizona State has 14 points with 15 minutes left in the game. It's not good. So hopefully by tomorrow they'll have scored forty. <laughs> um positive November surprises and a very obvious one, Arizona. I think so the metrics kind of figured like Arizona would be like goodish, but not this. I, I think kind of the general expectation was like Arizona was going to be a back end and say tournament team where they're like an eight to 10 seed. They're frisky, they're tough, but they're not important. But they appear to be of utmost importance right now. Like we're six games in. Arizona obviously had the Wichita win, but more importantly, they blew out a Michigan team that appears to be very much so figuring it out in real time. And uh, I mean, they look really good. And it appears legit in a sense of I'm not going to be shocked if we look up in March and Arizona's a four-seed or something or a three-seed. Uh, I think they once you get past the UCLA level, they're probably the second best team in the Pac-12 right now, uh, which I obviously didn't expect. Uh we'll get to a another negative surprise here in a minute in the Pac-12. But um Arizona looking really good. LSU uh finally has decided to play defense so i'd like to congratulate will wade (laughs) uh in his i guess fifth season no we're not congratulating will wade for
0: anything we're not doing that on this podcast
1: well i think it's good for him that he finally figured out in year 10 of being a head coach that you have to do both sides of an equation rather than one um that appears to be very difficult for him prior to this season so good for him um yeah, I mean, they are playing way harder on the defensive side than I thought they would. Much, much more difficult to score on them than it has been in years past. I can still see where, when they get to play like Auburn or Tennessee or Alabama, where it's going to go wrong, where, you know, their sort of high octane style defensively doesn't produce many turnovers and instead leads to a bunch of open threes. But, I mean, this seems like a style that's going to blow out a lot of bad teams. And, I mean, to my eyes, there's like about eight good SEC teams. And so, I mean, they should be able to rack up plenty of wins in SEC play, like 10 to 12, and be you a better-than-expected team. Uh, Last good surprise, and the one that I personally know the least about because I just didn't expect to have to know anything about them this year, is Iowa State. Um, Iowa State going in there, and I know – I have said a lot online and on this show about how much I disrespect Memphis's offense (laughs) and their uh, system. But even so, Iowa State scoring at will on Memphis was not something I saw coming at all, especially with the group they had coming into the season. I thought it was going to be really hard for them to find points, and they found them with ease against Memphis. And I think Memphis is a top five defense, so... That's a team I'm really curious about, and I think it kind of – I mean, you don't want to crown a team as the sort of September Heisman of college basketball, but Otzelberger appears to be legit. Um, I think that's a dude who's going to have them rolling in the, in an Iowa State – rolling in the sense of like you're making the tournament yearly pretty soon. Three bad surprises, and I'm just going to rip them off real quick because they're all Big Ten teams, which is mm. tough for, for me. Uh, Maryland, Illinois, and Michigan. Maryland's kind of an obvious one. They have sucked for the vast part of the last three weeks. Uh, Biggest I reason is what? what? I why Maryland's bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the 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 whole thing just doesn't appear to be working there offensively. I mean, we're we're sitting here right now, you know they play Virginia Tech tonight and we'll see how that goes. But they're shooting twenty eight percent from three. They're not really getting anything done on the glass. They don't force turnovers. I mean, the whole thing there is sort of predicated on we're gonna have to win games by way of getting easy buckets and you know, getting over the hump defense or defensively. And it's not coming together. I mean, at best right now, that's a team to me that looks like a ten seed. And that's a preseason top twenty-five squad. That's that's not a good basketball team right now. Illinois and Michigan are a lot more fixable. I think Illinois's deal is they're just trying to figure out who the new IO uh Sunmu could be for them. I don't think it's gonna be Curbelo. Kobe just, just a little bit of time. Get ready. Yeah, Kofi missed some time. I think they'll be fine at season's end. Like right now, they're 23rd on Ken Palm, and I would not be surprised if by a season they're back in the top 10. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of talent they have there. Like Trent Fraser's very, very good. Um, but it's going to take some time for them. And Michigan, same thing. I think Michigan is going to figure it out as soon as – and it's kind of unique in modern college basketball to have to do this, where you play a 6'11 and a 7'1 guy together. But the fix for them is pretty much just you got to play Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate together. Because when they're out there at the same time, it is borderline impossible to score at the rim. And if you can make teams shoot over the top of the rest of your length, where you got like Caleb Houston at six foot eight at small forward, and even, you know, you're not large at guard where it's Devonte and Eli Brooks, both six one, but those guys are really tough to get around. Devontae Jones, uh, way too aggressive for his own good. But I mean, that could prove handy in Big Ten play. Th- those are the two teams I think are going to figure it out. Like Michigan, I think is still going to end up top ten. Illinois, like top ten to fifteen. Maryland, I don't know what the fix is there, man. That's not a good basketball team. Mm. And I mean, so so this is just a hypothetical because we haven't had enough of them. If Maryland. Ends this year, and it's like they're a bubble team. And let's say they even miss on the NCAA tournament. At what point does like the heat really begin to turn up on Turgeon? Because it's been a minute since they've had a really good season.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Because they, well, I don't know. I think it's still a little bit early on him. Um, but we shall see. Um, but I, I agree with you, on Illinois. I think they're going to figure it out. Um, who, in your estimation, has the most to gain in December?
1: Uh I got three I got two that are most to gain and one that's just lots to lose. Um Notre Dame really needs a win. Uh this is it, right? Like two. he
0: he this is it. I yeah. don't know. You can't keep this going after another year. This is it for
1: him. No. I think this is probably the end of the road. Them blowing it in both the St. Mary's game was worse because that was closer, but them uh also not being able to pick one off against AM or Illinois is those are not good. Uh, And A&M is on track to be a quad two loss. So their best win right now over high point, which is horrible. But I mean, they're going to have two big opportunities the next two, sorry, next three Saturdays. Well, two of the next three, you get Kentucky at home and then you play Indiana on a neutral court. They absolutely must win one of those to be back on like tournament track because right now it's not looking good because I mean, if you don't pick up either of those, the ACC is not good this year. I don't know if you've been keeping track. They are the number five conference on Ken Palm and falling like a rock. Like mm. they are close to falling to the Pac-12 and being the sixth best of the Big Six. That's not good. So your amount of big marquee wins you can get in conference are dwindling by the day. They've got a, I mean, I mean, really, the ACC Big Ten challenge is going on to, right now. Yeah. I mean, they absolutely have to beat one of Kentucky or Indiana to be Mm. relevant. Um, other than that, UNC big game tonight against Michigan, but they've got two more, uh, this month that are of importance. UCLA and Virginia tech, all three could be quad one wins, uh, for a team that has looked rancid on defense as the Tennessee game showed the team that's got lots to lose here is Oregon who had a horrific, horrific November. um, Big pat to myself. Congratulations to me for calling that Oregon being number 12 was utterly insane and indefensible by any metric. Um, 32-point loss to BYU, 29-point loss to Houston, 12-point loss to St. Mary's, best win over SMU. That's a really bad month. Um, And, you know, right now they're almost outside of the Ken Palm top 50. The reason why it's not lots to gain here is you really only have one shot at a marquee win. They get Baylor at home in a couple weeks, which is obviously huge. But their schedule is frisky. So they play UC UC Riverside, who could win their conference. Arizona State, who's not great, but is not going to be an easy out. Stanford on the road and Colorado at home. All four of those teams are 110th or better on Bart Torvik's site. And I mean, if you want to be the top 15 team everybody pretended you were for six months, you got to go four and one in those five games. I mean, nobody's going to be upset if you lose to Baylor, but a lot of people are going to be upset if you lose to Stanford or Arizona State.
0: Mm. Um, I want to hit on Paolo and, and Chet. What are your early impressions? Because it's funny to see Twitter immediately overreact to any type of game, them getting matched up. But, like, just Paolo, that's my number one overall pick. Or, like, Chet does something and it's like, that's my number one overall pick. It's like, okay, let's settle down. Like, it, it, we got several more months of basketball before we have to make these kind of decisions and figure this stuff out. But um, with those two, has one kind of been more impressive than the other to you? Has one struggled more than you might have expected than the other? What are your uh, your early thoughts on Paolo and Chet?
1: Um. Sorry, I was trying to find the tweet that the uh, that UConn blog No Escalator sent out that had me tearing up um, <laughs> a week. Oh, I was during the UCLA game. Absolutely insane to think that it was just 12 years ago Chet Holmgren first caught the nation's attention when his parents released a balloon into the Colorado sky. <laughs> God, that one got me good. But anyway, is it so is it like... It's not a hot take, of course, but maybe is it the take to just be their 1A and 1B? Because I think statistically they're dead even right now on, you know, value of replacement metrics. They're the same. So, I mean, I would say Palo seems a little bit ahead. I wouldn't say it's a blowout by any means. I think they're both the top two picks. Uh, Palo's more athletic and seems to have it a little more together from a confidence perspective offensively. But, uh, that really, really good defensively um I thought I mean he got he got a couple of bad foul calls in that Gonzaga Duke game, but then again seemingly every player got a bad foul call against him. I don't know what was up there um i mean i'm I really wish we could see them play each other again, you know, I wish this was not a thing where it was just one off in November. hopefully we get an NCAA tournament game with these two. Because that would be a pretty ideal chance to get, you know, one more game of data between the two.
0: I think that's a possibility. Um, I think that's a distinct possibility. Um, are you buying into any Wisconsin uh, upside at all?
1: Um, one to ten scale, I'm at a six with them. Okay. So I like what I see so far. I think the uh, <clears throat> the underlying metrics that actually back up them being pretty good yeah. But I need to see more. Um, Them losing at home to Providence prior to their uh, Maui-Las Vegas run was nasty. Providence is not good. Uh, Specifically, I want to see what Wisconsin does against Indiana and Ohio State next week. If we're looking up next weekend and Wisconsin's gone 2-0 against these two, then we can kind of kickstart the Greg Gard redemption narrative tour. Uh, I mean, I was quite impressed by them beating both Houston and St. Mary's. You know my feelings on St. Mary's, and I'm very high on them. But mm-hmm. them beating Houston was a great, great win. That That is going to hold up at year's end as possibly you know their best or second best win of the whole season, depending on what they do in the Big Ten. Sidebar on so, that, too,
0: is that can we talk – Like, we, there's a lot of like stuff about the Big 12 and the future of it with Oklahoma and Texas moving to the, the SEC football-wise. But, like – man when you get houston and memphis and the big 12 the next couple of years like have you thought about just how good the big 12 is just going to be and what a bloodbath it's going to be in a little bit with houston and kansas and uh all right houston kansas obviously memphis Texas or texas tech if they can get their stuff together i don't know you just i mean we'll see who bob huggins replacement is down the line but i don't know i think the big 12 is in really really good shape basketball wise when I, I was just thinking about the teams when i'm looking at them, i'm like man the Big 12 is going to be a bloodbath soon in basketball.
1: Well, it's, it's going to be frisky in a fun way. And yeah. I actually think football could be similar. Like, I know, obviously, you lose the two flagship schools in football, but it's kind of like an older school Big 8 in a way mm. where, you know, it's kind of like all these fun little weird sidebar teams that sort of operate in their own conference. It's like a throwback conference in a way. And I like it. Um, I
0: mean, BYU is going to be a huge wrinkle in that. I mean, on both sides. But like BYU and like if Cincy can get their act together. I mean, we know what Cincy was back in the day with Kenyon and everything. But um, I don't know. I just think the Big 12 is going to be a lot of fun sooner rather than later.
1: I think think Houston and West, West Virginia having to play each other twice a year is like, must watch stuff Ooh, because yeah. there there's going to be like broken noses, <laughs> back injuries, all sort. It's going to be for all the people on Twitter who claim it was harder in the '90s uh, to play basketball. I think that's their matchup. If you get Houston and West Virginia twice a year, that's going to get all the old people to swing back around on basketball.
0: There you go. Um, latest on Tennessee. You don't like uh, you don't like Plavs. You're not a Plavs guy.
1: No. Well, I mean. I ran the numbers for a, a local rider today. Mm. Um, it's just, I don't get it, man. Uh, <laughs> with, so we've got three years of data now, mm-hmm. uh, 432 possessions with him on the court, three, just under 4k with him off. So it's obviously a much bigger base with him off, but 432 with him on is a good little sample size within reason mm. with Uros Sachon, Tennessee's defense adjusted for opponent is allowing 105 points per 100 possessions. When he is off the court, that's 89 points per 100 possessions. Their defense is nearly 16 points worse with him on the court. And it, it's it. the statistics are one thing, but when I'm sitting there in the stands last night and they're playing Presbyterian, who, by the way, could be the most inept offense I see in the state of Tennessee for years to come. Horrifically, horrifically run offense. But when I see Presbyterian 6'7", 230-pound center bullying Euros Plavsic, 7-footer in the post, I think that's kind of all I need to know. It's bad. I just don't get the continued reliance on him. I know a lot of people are sort of more focused on getting Victor Bailey's minutes, Justin Powell's way, totally fine, I'm for that by the way, I think Powell should be at minimum like a twenty five minute a game guy, if not you know close to thirty. but getting Plapsich out of the rotation and inserting Huntley Hatfield instead is gonna be a big boon so i but I mean, on the whole, I feel fine about Tennessee um I think they're they didn't have the best November, but they had a pretty solid one within reason of what you would have expected, they still look like one of the 15 best teams in basketball. And the thing I posted today that really does get me excited, uh, of all 350-something teams in college basketball, uh, Tennessee has the ninth largest increase in percentage of shots taken at the rim and from three uh, from last year to this year. It's like a almost a 12% increase in rim and threes percentage. Mm. It's a lot. So I mean, old old dogs can learn new tricks sometimes. Sometimes, I mean, who who, who doubted Mr.
0: Rick Barnes? I did. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. <laughs> um, are you more excited or less excited about their their future prospects based on what you've seen through a month?
1: Um, more because okay. so. What, here's here's my rationale for this. I think you could go either way. And I think there are some things about the team that are going to limit the ceiling. Like, you know, front court wise, I worry about what's going to happen when you have to play Kentucky and Shibwe is getting 17 rebounds. That's going to be hard for me to deal with. But when you look at how Tennessee has elected to play uh, a style of offense that is more friendly and conducive to analytically friendly shots and, in a way, is higher variance with the amount of threes they're taking that kind of instantly has to elevate their ceiling a little bit because the more variance you install in a game, the greater chance you have at pulling upsets, the greater chance you have at getting blown out, too, like the Villanova game. But when you're on and you're taking 30 threes a game, if you hit like 14 of those, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat you. And when Justin Powell shoots the way he shoots and when Victor Bailey is on and when Kennedy Chandler's hitting Vescovi, hopefully Josiah Jordan-James comes back, that's going to be a really, really scary offense from downtown. And to be honest, I have been a little bit more pleased than I anticipated I would be with the defensive side of things. I thought that was going to struggle with all the movement off the roster. Obviously, Fulkerson and James returns, but you've only gotten – I think, three games of James so far. And, you know, Fulkerson, it took him a while to get back into game shape. So for them to be, as of today, sitting 10th best in the nation and field goal percentage allowed at the rim is quite impressive.
0: Mm. Last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Uh, Stats through the first month that have caught your eye.
1: I got three. These are all just national ones uh, from Ken Palm. But we, so through 22 days of hoops, we are on pace for the following. Lowest turnover percentage in modern history. Hmm. Fewest free throw attempts per game in modern history. And surprisingly, this one I didn't see coming. The slowest slow, paced season in terms of possessions per game since they shortened the shot clock from 35 to 30. Huh. We're a full possession and a half below last year at this time. And I'm not sure how to explain that. Hmm. That's weird. The yeah, foul thing I mean,
0: is trickling down from the pros, probably. Um, I think that's just the, the basketball is just being called differently uh, top to bottom. And also, just more teams are shooting threes, so they're driving less, and there's less chaos at the rim and less flailing. But I don't know. That's a good question. I would love to to know why. I guess we should have to wait and see and see if that holds. But interesting.
1: Yeah. my My, my guess is that because... There's fewer fouls being called. Possessions are lasting a hair longer, yeah. maybe. Hmm. But that's that's all I can think of.
0: Hmm. Okay, I like it. Mr. Will Warren, what can uh, the good folks check out at SatisfyWill.com this week?
1: Always lots of good Tennessee basketball content on there. I'm biased, but I think it's good. It um, is good. There's weekly recaps, previews of every game. I'm going to try and get in some more national-based writing when there's breaks in Tennessee's schedule. Mm. The problem with Tennessee's schedule is they have crammed a bunch of games into this December, seven in total. Mm. So hopefully soon we get some more national, less specific stuff in there. Um, Just quit the day job I mean, watch
0: the national games during the day, Tennessee at
1: night. Uh, gosh, that would be a dream. Maybe <laughs> one day. It's Maybe that one
0: day. It's that simple. Just don't show up. Do the full office space. Uh, just don't come in anymore. And they're just <laughs> like, where are you? And you're like, I'm watching national basketball. And they're like, why do you know uh, what, what? Why aren't you coming in? Like, I'm watching St. Mary's right now. What do you mean? Why would I come in? And then you just, you just own it. You go super confident about it when they're just like, where, where are you, Will? And you're just like, again, I told you, it's Syracuse, Maryland today. What, what do you mean? I'll be in in like four hours. I've got to do some film work. And they're just like, okay. And they're like, where's Will? And he's doing film work on Syracuse. And then it just becomes a thing. You set the precedent. You just got to be confident enough to, to set that precedent early on and then see what happens. Then you work your way up and then suddenly you're, you're the president. I think that's how all that works.
1: Man, it would certainly help with my sleep schedule.
0: <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> I mean, who are you telling? Uh, <laughs> Stats by Will, always a pleasure. Follow you on Twitter. Go bookmark statsbywill.com. If you have not already done so, go check out all this great work throughout this season. Will, I will talk to you next week.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Nicely done, nephew.